Hey guys, this is Joe Costello from Hidden Horsepower. Just wanted to let you know about the next Engine Performance Expo. We're talking about January 13th and 14th. We're going to be live streaming the entire event on YouTube. That's right. No more sign in or register or any of that. Just go to YouTube and you can do it right now and search Engine Performance Expo. Expo. Subscribe, click the bell for notifications, and then when we go live January 13th and 14th, you won't miss a second. We're going to have some of the best engine builders in the world all there talking about the ins and outs of engine building and high performance. In the meantime, let's kick it back out to the Engine Performance Expo for a very cool interview we were able to do with Mark Cronquist. The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Welcome back to the Engine Performance Expo, live from Straub Technologies in Piney Flats, Tennessee. We got people out there hanging out in the machine shop. We got a whole uh, area this year, Lake. It has been amazing to see this thing expand. We've moved into the studio for big events like this one right mm -hmm. here, a Hidden Horsepower Live. And I know this one's special. We got Mark oh, yes. Cronquist, who probably has a whole bunch of great stories about you, Lake. We'll put you on the spot a little <laughs> bit later. But head engine builder for Joe Gibbs Racing for many years, three cup championships, over 125 wins uh, on the track in, in nationwide competition, a whole host. If there was an engine builder Hall of Fame, and maybe there is. There should be one. We could perhaps start right. it right here, right mm -hmm. now. Mark, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's a few that probably need to be in there before me, but I appreciate that. That's nice. No, well, so. well, it's great. And uh, for me, as a, a fan, a TV fan of NASCAR, right? Like growing yeah. up and, and being a drag racer and watching the explosion of NASCAR and popularity and being able to sit home and watch all of these things and knowing these like seminal moments, things that happen, that you were there this guy's there. It's, I've, it's already worn off for me with Lake, but that you were there and, and behind a lot of these big moments in, in NASCAR. I'm excited about this. Appreciate Well, last night we're having dinner, and so you know, Keith Dorton's going to be yeah. on here later, and of course Billy Godball's going to be on here later, and Ben Strader. We're sitting down at the other end of the table, and we're talking, and Mark just leans over to uh, Keith and says, so what about that manifold 1991? <laughs> <laughs> right, right out of the box. Right out of the box. No, uh, no fluff. I, I never got the up. time to ask him, so I finally got to, hey, sit right there. Let me ask you about that. You know, so so, yeah. We're going to ask Keith that question yeah. later. That way we, we, we can let him get, get the answer yeah. on it. But, you know, we went, went into that discussion about the plate era and all the things that came out of that. So, I mean, shed your, a little bit of your story, and what do, you, what do you think about what that plate era did in terms of engine development? Um, I think the biggest thing the plate era did back in the late 80s and 90s was teach, teach us about friction. Mm -hmm. Oils, friction, coatings, because you've got a motor choked down, there's only a few places to go from there, and one of, a lot of it's friction. So, right. I think that taught us a lot of you know, how big oil pump you need to have, what kind of coatings do help and don't help, what kind of oils do help and right. don't help and, and all that stuff. I think if you can go back and say what was good about it, it taught us a lot right. about that part of what's bad about it is, wow, we spent a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. And there were some really, <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll call it, uh, well, we'll call it cheating, right? Well, there, uh, there were some interesting ways we, of yeah. cheating or uh, rules uh, aversion. Well, I mean, as people, I, I, in my whole career, like what Keith did with the manifolds back in the in the 80s and the early 90s, to me, there was no rules. And if you right. make a rule, you're my hero. 
The guy, oh, exactly. The way I look at it, the guy that died when we all when we're all dead and we're all gone, the guy with the most rules right against him is the winner. He's the winner. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. And Keith, yeah. Had, you know, Keith and his group, they did a phenomenal job doing the manifold. There was no rules. NASCAR let it go for mm -hmm. a little while. Then they started getting rules and rules and rules and you know. So Keith, that's all Keith's fault there right. on that one. But so what about those holes in the valve seats? I don't know nothing about those. <laughs> There's a few guys that did that one. I, so I, I don't know wanna, nothing about that one. I just want to say that we're talking about things that happened last yeah. century. Yes. So the the statute of limitations, it's definitely expired. Yeah. We can put it all out there on the table. Yeah. Uh, there were some guys that were running, you know, NASCAR had a rule that you had to close all the intake valves and they pressurized the manifold to make sure you had no leaks. Mm -hmm. Well, they were smart enough to drill their holes in the valve seats, so when the valves were shut, it Blocked the holes off, right. and when the valves opened, there was holes there. So, so they let it get more air get in more the air chamber because more. you couldn't get it past the plate. Right. So they went around the plate, got more air, makes more power. So yep. But there, I don't know if there, I think there was rules against that one. <laughs> <laughs> probably I think there, technically there was rules against that one. But, but if you didn't get yeah. caught, then you technically weren't cheating. I think yeah. Richard Petty said something yes. like that. Yep. You're right there. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. You're not cheating till you get caught. So right. that's a good good way of putting that. So yep. So uh, transition that a little bit. So you went from this restricted class of racing where you had compression rules and all these rules. And like you said, the, the way to win was to get the most rules in your name. Yep. Now you're doing this desert off-road stuff. What, what kind of mindset shift was that? That was huge. In 2018, we started building up like a Baja 1000 type motor. And it was hard to sit down there for working so many years at NASCAR with this big old rule book. There's hardly no rules. So it was like, I remember the biggest thing was we were trying to decide on what kind of spark plug we were going to run. And we're sitting there looking at a 14 millimeter plug, looking at a 14 millimeter plug, trying to figure out how we're going to put it between these two valve seats. And mm -hmm. we go, why are we messing with a 14 millimeter plug? And my engineer said, there's a rule. I go, there is no rules. He goes, you're right. <laughs> you're right. There's not. We ended up with a 10 millimeter plug, a little tiny thing right in front, right in between the seats. So it was, it was crazy when you work your whole life with this big rule book. And there wasn't when I started that big, but by the time, you know, now it's a huge, huge book. It could almost be a novel, but there's so many rules that, I and mean, it's hard to un, unfamiliarize yourself to that. And it's, it was, pre it was pretty hard for a while. Well, the comment yeah. you asked Billy last night, can, can you possibly close the intake valve too soon? Yes, yeah. And it's that, like, because you said, okay, in compression-limited engines, this is a way to gain that's compression. That's how you get compression back. You shut the intake sooner, you make more compression. And it was just conversation. It was like, uh, in my whole life, I've, you know, ever since like, what, 2004, 2005, we've been compression-limited. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you cheat that? You shut the intake valve sooner. Yeah, so so you, now, and that's, in our conversations last night having dinner, it was like, I said, I didn't know you could shut the thing too soon. You know, or, or, yeah, I always, our whole goal is to shut as fast as we can. I didn't know, you know, looking at, that's what's great about talking with other people is you learn what other people do and stuff. And some, some engines wanted to shut later, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, or fortunately my whole life, I've always worked with a great cylinder head and a great block and a great this, and I've never had to fight that issue. So, right. yeah. So, so speaking about blocks and heads. I'm actually spoiled, so. Right, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. well. So back to blocks and yeah. heads, so the desert off-road truck engine that's yep. the jd1 yep. in honor of jd gibbs yep. who's our hero i mean yep. he, he was a, a great boss. awesome man yep. awesome man yep. um he was great for all of us yes. right yes absolutely so, but with the jd1 engine 
talk about that development process of getting your own heads in block because that that engine doesn't exist outside of your yeah. shop you know it's something we it's billet block billet heads all designed by us at jgr some people at cfe that does the head porting mm -hmm. and the block machining to rough with but it's it's I was explaining to a couple of guys, it's got a little bit of small block in, it's got a little bit of big block in, it's got a little bit, it's it's a hodgepodge of everything that we thought was the best of everybody and some ideas of ours. So it's right. it's got a little bit of everybody. You can look at it and say, oh, that's LS. And you can look at it and say, okay, that's NASCAR, you know, current stuff. So it's a copy of a lot of people's stuff. I mean, so. Right, but that's yeah. not the first time you've actually been in, in process of developing an engine because you were part of the development team with the R07. Yes, we actually, R07 started out at R99 because it was supposed to race, well, it did race in, I think it first race was the ARCA race at Charlotte in 1998 or 99, one of them two. Okay. But it was, that's where R99 came from. It was supposed to race in 1999. And so you can look at how much we developed up the R07 because- 2007. 2007, there was a, there was a three- uh, Eight year? Yeah, there was, there was an X at one time because we quit. We hated keep calling it numbers, but it was really a five. There was an R03, and there was, I think, an R01, but I don't think it ever got built. So for those watching, what's essentially the difference on, on a high-level perspective uh, from a small-block Chevy to an R07? What was the big change or the uh, main changes? The, I mean, it was more set up for the NASCAR header combination in the cars manifold it was the small block and the big block chevrolet have two faults to i think and that is this the the uh, head bolts are right next to the cylinder walls okay and that's a lot of board distortion so that the bolts got spread out more like a forward block is how they're okay. spread away you actually have the stud you have water then you have the cylinder wall okay the small block and the big box chevrolets are right up against each other you torque them down they twist you get them hot they twist differently so that was probably the biggest difference the camshaft is raised a bigger cam core uh, mm -hmm. but there was a lot of good things and a lot of technology what, what was the size of the cam on that was that uh those are the rl7 is a 60 millimeter cam 60, core, okay. but a uh, stock small block is 50 so okay. 10 millimeter bigger cam cores and it's raised yes up. it's raised up to get for the crankshaft and get a cam tunnel in it where there's no the oil on top of the motor don't end up in the bottom of the motor so it. so it has to be a wet or a dry a sump dry system, a dry yeah. sump system. you can't wet something unless you cut a bunch of stuff out but and it also the valve layout is symmetrical it's not siamese correct right yes and a lot of the valve layout now is a nascar rule you have to be in this box of this location this location Mm -hmm. But we, we but you can why. do you yes. can do this or you can do this and this you know what I mean right. you can do other things the valve layout like intake exhaust intake exhaust exhaust intake or whatever but mm -hmm. NASCAR rules are pretty close to you have to be in this box of this area and end up there so. right so essentially for people yeah. watching the RO7 valve layout is similar to a big block Chevy because it's not. Yes. It's, it's symmetrical, not, it's not Siamese. Yes, and it's not in a straight line. The intake's above the exhaust, the exhaust is yeah, below center line. They're splayed in canon yes, correctly. Yes. Uh, the be... intake is, but the exhaust is just, not. the exhaust is not. Okay. But that's an escort rule. Right. Toyota, when they first came in with their uh, PH9, uh, phase nine engine that was in trucks only, it had a candid exhaust. To that and was, then NASCAR, NASCAR, <laughs> it was too good. NASCAR took that away from everybody, so yeah. yep. So probably a lot of lessons learned from the development of the RO7 
were applied to the JD1? Oh, absolutely, 100%, yeah. A lot, and really the RL7, there was a lot applied from R99. Our, or the Chevrolet guys, uh, we were still a Chevrolet team at that time. We were probably glad RL3 never got approved. We were really trying to get it approved. <laughs> RL9 was a lot, or RL7 was a lot better block and head combination package. And RL7 was a uh, compacted graphite yes. block as yep. well. Yep. And so we, I know Ed Keebler and a lot of the uh, yep. Keith and the segments we've done previously talked about how difficult it is to hone compacted oh, graphite yes. compared to the gray cast iron. Yes, way different. So we actually, the good thing is there, we actually made uh, small blocks or the 18 degree or the SP2 block. We actually made those blocks first and learned how to do that before R07 came about. So we kind of had that figured out before we started building that motor. So you talk about the board distortion. Uh, talk a little bit about your experience with hot honing. Uh, hot honing, I mean, we really learned a lot about hot honing on the on the 18 degree or the SP2 head because the head bolts were right up against the cylinder wall. Mm -hmm. And that to me, it was a big issue when the thing got hot, it really distorted them. Now we don't see that with, speaking to ourselves, we don't see that with the Toyota NASCAR engine or the, at the time, the RL7. We didn't have to do that because the bolts were moved away and they're not distorting. The, yeah, there is still some head clamp differences there, but we didn't see it as bad. All right. Or that. So, so the, the head bolt location. Head really... bolt location was the biggest issue there okay. with hot honing. So, yeah. The uh, information download here at the Engine Performance Expo, absolute insanity. If you've got a question for Mark, by all means, put it in our chat section. Mark, we've had some people check in from Alaska. That is your home state. How that do you is... make it from Alaska to Charlotte, North Carolina? Tell us a little bit about your origin story. Uh, I was born and raised in Eagle River, Alaska to about 14. And then uh, unfortunately my parents separated when I was younger and I actually moved, uh, left Alaska and went to Colorado Springs. And that's actually where uh, my stepdad at that time actually got me uh, started in working in a machine shop in the back of a auto parts store that he worked at, or actually he didn't work there, he worked at the, at the competitor's auto parts store and started, that's where I started my career when I was 16 was starting to work on engines. Did you always have an interest for things mechanical, engines? Were you the kid that was tearing apart stuff uh, in the yard? Yeah, um, I realized really quickly, my dad was uh, owned probably the largest body shop in Alaska at the time. And I re realized very quickly I wasn't gonna be a body man. <laughs> There's well, a guys. lot of reasons not to be a body man. Yeah, Let me just tell was, you. And, uh, <laughs> I love you, body guys. I, I can remember my dad when I was like 12 years old. He raced professionally for Skidoo or Bombardier at the at, uh, you know, and uh, he had like six or seven old sleds out back. He said, you know, if you put one of them together, you can have it. So when I was 12, the whole summer I put a whole snowmobile together by myself. So had a little help, but basically put a snowmobile together by myself out of a bunch of used parts. So, that was the original yeah. incentive. That was the original incentive. My dad had a my dad had a kid, or I call him a kid now, but he was older than I was. His name was Fred Grondike that worked at my dad's body shop and he had an old 56 Chevrolet pickup truck. And the, the five or six years I remember him working there, I think we rebuilt that engine like five or six times. He had a hard time starting it up in the morning and forgetting it needed to idle for a little bit. He, in Alaska, <laughs> when it's kind of cold, I can remember him driving in and just wah, wah, wah. Next week we were changing this. <laughs> so a lot of it, for a lot of it was Fred's that 56 Chevrolet pickup truck. I realized I didn't want to be a body man and hey, I kind of like motors. So that's where, that's kind of where it all turned right then. So mm -hmm. the rest is history. Your the rest uh, is history. path found you. If I remember yes. right, there's some story about, was it 
high school shop class, some kind of reverse uh, rotation engine or something? No, 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 no. I was actually working in a machine shop in, at high school, and uh, I, I think I kind of thought I knew more than the more than the teacher knew, which I think I did, but uh, he had me put a small block Chevrolet together, and I'd already done that a million times, so I happened to be left two pistons and rods out. And I put a counterweight on it, and I blocked off some holes, and it actually fired up, but it was sitting there shaking and wrong, shaking, and he goes, what's wrong with this thing? I go, I don't know. I think I got, I had these two extra parts, and at that time, the principal decided I needed to be in wood shop instead of automotive class. So I thought it was a genius. I thought I plugged the lifters. I left the right. I, I plugged the crankshaft. And it was I, all for a, for a goof. On it your was teacher. kind of a goof on the teacher. I thought he'd be proud of that. They he, should have been. I, mean, That's, I, I put been. A, I put a lot been. of small block Chevrolets together already. That was like. You go I didn't all that need way to do that. <laughs> yeah. So. What do these do? Yeah, that's what I did. So, yeah, he uh, he. The principal decided I need to be in woodshop instead of an automotive class. Right. But at least you had an automotive class, yes. which is something yes. that we think about uh, nowadays, right? right? We uh, want every, more. Yes, yes. Please bring those back to schools. Yeah. Yes. Very Learn cool. how to change your oil and change your tire. You know, I mean, even nice. woodshop, I know a lot of kids got hurt because cut their, <laughs> cut their fingers yeah. off and stuff, but <laughs> at least get get people to know how to run that stuff, man. It's, it's sad that kids today don't work on cars like we used to well but some do yeah i mean some do yes oh, the thing. there's a lot I of thank guys you for that. watching yes. this right now yes yes um, absolutely they're, they're so. part of that sounds yeah, like question? the teacher and the principal need a better sense of humor right no doubt i thought it was genius myself here's one mark where are gains as small as they are found in today's nascar engines focus uh, still on friction reduction in the tapered spacer era yes asks uh, bob thank you bob yeah, Bob, it's still friction. Close the intake valve as soon as you can to make as much compression. I mean, it's, it's, we've ran, we've ran a restricted motor, even what NASCAR calls, they don't like to call them restricted motors, but the tapered spacers mm -hmm. are all a restricted plate motor. It still comes down to how wide a valve spring can you put on it and get rid of friction. Friction, with the roller camshafts now, the valve spring ain't it's not as important as it used to be for friction, but when we ran flat tops, it was like we had valve springs down to 90, 90 pounds on the seat. You know, it was all about getting rid of friction and the camshaft. What about the Spintron was running all, all the, the time. time? All the time. All what, the time. What about that whole concept? You know, we're watching NASCAR evolve over the yep. years, and it's high-level entertainment, and it's on television, and they've, they've got a new car coming yep. and everything. But uh, I remember not long ago, you know, like 950 horsepower, and you guys get yeah. the driver talent was getting the power to the ground. Like, yep. can they? Can they control it? This is a totally different era, yes. a totally different style of racing. That's got to change what you're doing. But do you guys love it the way they did back in the wide-open Wild West era? Uh, answering for myself, no. I don't love it like I used to. Back, I can think of 2000, 2008, there wasn't that many rules. And I mean, it was, I remember uh, 1999, 2000, we were running Pontiacs at the time. And we had a hood, hood, hood height issue. And we sat down one year and we're like, okay, let's cut the, we cut a quarter inch off the blocks and we cut a bunch off the heads and we shrunk it all down. And eventually, basically what we did is we shortened the intake runners and we picked up all this power and said, we're geniuses. <laughs> you know, I mean, basically we we're trying to lower the intake. So we've lowered everything else. And then when we're all sitting down, we're making all this power. And we go, huh, 
that was pretty good pretty good thing right there you know so those those rules are not allowed to do today you know there's a deck height rule and there's this rule and you know hey by the way i get the deck height rule on that when i die that was was because of us so yeah the deck height rules because of us and just things like that that nascar has kept you know got their fingers on and And that was a championship year for you yes that was that was 2000 so yep well, speaking of 2000, there's a guest coming on later. I know it. Um, Mike Mucha from Luberzal, uh, which we won't steal the thunder of no. that right now, right? Yep. But, I mean, talk about that, 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 that era, right, of 2000, 2008. Yeah. That was like this great time where... It, well, yeah, it, you could almost say 19, in the 90s to the 2007, 2008 era, somewhere in there, I think was just... It was wide open. There was a lot of money in NASCAR. We did a lot of things. Right. I mean, not that they're still not, and they do a lot of things now, but I always tell the NASCAR guys this. I said, we used to move the intake port over a quarter of an inch and picked up 30 horsepower. I said, now we work for two years and spend millions of dollars, and we can't pick up five. You know, I mean, just the tighter you make the rules, the more you have to go search for the special codings and the special this and this and that and everything else. So Which, sometimes rules cost, um, well, all rules cost money. So. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> all yeah. That has been a common thread through Hidden Horsepower, the yes. podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. You should definitely listen. Mark has been on in the yep. past. This is almost a second edition, yep. but that is a common thread throughout all the engine builders. Like it seems that a, a series or a sanction might think like, oh, we're gonna save guys money by creating these rules and inevitably they end up spending and costing money because people aren't going to just stop uh, trying to be first they're going to go in 10 different directions and go to other countries and other planets for yes. metal materials for machinery Absolutely. to circumvent that new rule and uh, it looks like you lived that experience yeah it was it was actually a great time in nascar you know from magnesium intake manifolds to you know a lot of stuff that was cool you know trying to take out weight now there's a rule against that you know uh, oh, you went from un-DLC coated parts to, to DLC wrist coated, pin. To DLC yeah. coated wrist pins and, and a lot of other parts are DLC oh, coated now so yeah we went, that yeah. was a whole story by itself yep. just so. the development of DLC for the lifters and the cams and, and uh, now pistons and everything else I mean it's more and more you know and yeah, I always tell the story. I, before Robert Gates passed away, I had the privilege of going out to lunch with him one day, and we were talking about the things we know today that we didn't know back then. Mm-hmm. And I remember t- a couple years ago talking to him, and I go, "Man, I don't know how we won a championship in 2000, 2002." And he goes, "I know." He said, "You were just smarter than the rest of us dummies that day." <laughs> you know, he goes, "What we know today to what we know back then with surface finishes and stuff like that, it's it's phenomenal what we've learned, but." knowing how we did it and how much work we had to go around back then mm-hmm. to get things to last was just crazy so well and that's one of the things we talked about before some of the trackside tech talks yeah. this year with the nhra events is that you think back to say 2000 when you had qualifying engines and all of these yeah. things and that one race motor would run the one race it'd be down how much horsepower in right. the race and you had to rebuild it for the next race yeah and now you have engines that go for how long before you rebuild them? The, the cup races, they run them twice. And Max Finney, we almost run them four times. And they're yeah. still barely they're dropping still off. Barely dropping off. So that comes back to better oils, better coatings, better rings, better honing, better valve jobs, better everything. You know, and Friction and yeah, surface finish. Yes. You go back here and you look back in the shop and you look at the Rottler stuff and stuff, just machining stuff better, honing stuff better. Mm-hmm. It's all, all that stuff to do with that. Right. So. 
Tribology for the win, yeah. Joe. Yes. Always yes. tribology for the win. And, yes. and, and so not all rules are bad because of making you guys uh, figure out how to do that has pushed everything forward. Oh yes, absolutely, yes. By far, we, we realized what we needed and we went to the companies and told them we need this and they, they stepped up and they made that stuff for us. There's yeah. gotta be a reason Billy yes. Godbold has said like, uh, you know, cafe standards has forced mm -hmm. OEs to figure stuff out yeah. and that technology has uh, advanced. We'll be speaking with him about yeah. it. I'd like to know if you have something ready and available, uh, a concept, an idea, something, a road that you went down to try to circumvent the system, to find horsepower, to do something that was just out of the box and maybe didn't work. And now you look back on it and you think, man, what were we thinking? Ooh. Because, <laughs> you know, we learn so much from the failures. Yeah. We so learn much everything we talk, from failures. <laughs> we talk about the great successes all the time, but the failures, I think, are where some of the fun is. The, uh, the no taper on the cam load with DLC, that was tricky. Yeah. Um, boy, that's a good one. There were so many. <laughs> so so many i had a cylinder head uh, guy one time his name was rex hackock and he told me one day he goes you know you're not as smart as people think you are he goes but you are very smart for one thing i go what's that he goes when we go one way and it doesn't work he goes you're smart enough to go the other way to see if it was better <laughs> so yeah. he, yeah. Goes, he goes we do a lot of stuff that don't work but he said you're smart enough to go back the other way and try to see if it works but well, I just can't think of one that pops out the top of my head right now. Which, by the way, you're saying there, that, though. There's a good one with Mike Mucha that we actually ran oil with water in it. That was pretty impressive, that test. So, we should <laughs> save that for later, right? We'll yeah, save that yeah, for later. We'll save that one for later. But there was, boy, I don't know. There was... Uh... Well, the going the opposite direction? Yeah. That's Chad Canals, too. Yeah. Chad was big on that, on the chassis stuff. Right. The, or yes. aero stuff. It's like, if we go one way and it didn't work, well, let's try the opposite. Just to make sure you're in the right spot. And there's a lot of times that, man, it really paid off. Yeah. You know, it's because that's, it's, I think that's that being, but back to what Warren Johnson said, you can't be afraid to fail. Yeah. So you got to be willing to try some stuff and go for it. You know, I think about, you know, the oil development stuff. We figured up that one year, a plate motor back in the day was roughly cost average, what, $85,000, yeah. something like that. And we did, what, seven or eight engine tests one year doing some oil development yeah. we we're like wait we just spent a million dollars in engines oil. testing yeah. oil yeah that's a, i remember when mr gibbs let me buy the first avl dyno in nascar and he's like is this gonna is this gonna be good for us go, oh it's gonna be great i didn't tell him how much money we were gonna spend on motors running across that thing no. <laughs> holy cow so you can go through some money running motors so explain to people if they don't know what is an avl dyno what makes it different from the dynos that most people know avl dynos are ac powered dynos so you can actually stick the thing on there and run durability laps you can run simulation laps you can run so at the time in the early late 1990s we ran to ran to kentucky motor speedway with a car and a driver and mm -hmm. eight sets of tires and we'd run 500 miles we'd come home tear apart well that you know tire blows and wrecks your test motor, mm -hmm. you know so abl dyno we just go bolt the thing on there pull the hammer back set the computer and it sits there and runs 500 miles and that afternoon we take it apart Complete we, racing. we didn't ask the driver to go we didn't ask tires we didn't ask nothing and it's not a hundred percent it's actually to me it's worse on the dyno than it is the racetrack because the way we set it up is we go there and we take the fastest lap at kentucky mm -hmm. and we ran 500 laps at that 
well, as tires fall off, it gets slower. So we actually feel like if we could make 500 miles, we are guaranteed to go to the racetrack. With did that. you simulate pit stops in that thing or no? Uh, we had some stops. Uh, we did learn that, you know, leaving downshifting was important. Mm -hmm. So we had to put some of them in there. We just did those at the end of the test, not at the beginning of the test and stuff. Right. We just did that stuff at the end just as we didn't do a, you know, 100 miles in a pit stop. We just did 500 miles and did some stuff after that. And, stuff. and the reason so, you can do that with an a AC unit dyno is because you don't have all that water right. that a water break dyno has to have because otherwise you would have to have like an ocean of water not to get it too hot. Yeah. Well, we have Lake Norman close to us. But That's true. I don't think they'd let us tie into it, but <laughs> no. No, AC dyno is a computerized controlled dyno, so it works. There is one good story about that one, though. So in our in our industrial park, we when we when we moved into our industrial park, there was no hospital there. Well, they built the hospital. Mm -hmm. So we <laughs> this is funny. Well, it's not really funny, but I already know so, the story. Keep on going, yeah. yeah. I don't know the story, but so in the building, there was at the end, at the back side of the building where we're at, you have a power source coming in that. And the other side of the industrial park, I mean, there's two power sources. So a hospital was on A, we were on B. Right. Something happened to A one day, and they had to switch to B, which it was back up to keep the hospital running. Well, unfortunately, we were running our AC dyno at Richmond that day, and we were sent. So the AC dyno, when we're running durability, actually sends power Makes back power. into the power. Well, it's not very clean. So all the hospital monitors were going. <laughs> you could tell when it lifted off the gas and quit making power. Then as it went up on RPM, it, they, so so and they were free. Surging. And luckily, <laughs> luckily there was a race fan there that knew something about like why every monitor was doing this. And there's like, hey, something's doing this. This isn't true. Is and they knew we had a dyno or something. Somebody at the hospital knew that they, come, run, they come running down there and had to shut it off till till they got their power to a source back running. So that was actually pretty hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> very funny. But right? It was everybody all the heart monitors fine. are going up and down and everybody in the whole hospital is doing it. So, right. Yeah, so. so we're going to be doing a testing round table and a measuring round table later. And you're going to join us for both. You didn't okay. know that, but you are. Uh, so. Talk about how precision, that's one of the other advantages of the AC dyno, how accurate it is in terms of precision. Um, hmm. It's really precise, but it shows you that you'd need to even do more because there's no water temperature, there's no water. The temperature of an AC dyno or a water break dyno, the water temperature mm -hmm. changes it. Everything changes, everything can affect it. The AC is guaranteed to be the same. But now it shows that your air intake temperature is not exactly right. It shows you that your oil temperatures might not be per, you know what I mean? Right. Before it was always, oh, that's the dyno, that's the dyno. Now you realize that the room temperature when it's cold outside isn't the same as when it's 90 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a lot better, but it still ain't perfect. It's and, still a and lot. What of happens about like mid-March in North Carolina when there's car yellow this on the cars? We always lose power. If somebody can tell me how to get rid of pollen in the air, I'd be a happy person. Isn't that the craziest thing? <laughs> yes. Like literally, it's like you could like dial it up. Oh, there's pollen on the cars in the parking lot. You're gonna lose power. You want to know another one that we determined? What's that? That when they changed the bar saw in the shop, that we lose power for about a week. Just because of all the light ends, all the vapor. All the vapor and the light, the air, it's not, the air going in the motors is not as good. It's crazy. Unbelievable. It, it was like, what did we do? And it was like, now that's uh, the AC uh, the AC dyno taught us that that 
we're like, what is this? And we're like, we don't know. Pollution does it to us too. You know, when, it's, when the air is polluted more outside, that's why we think in summertime we lose more power. Okay. Because of the pollution in the air and stuff. Excellent. Well, yep. Mark, this has been great. We had a quick question from Bryce. I want to get yeah. it in for Bryce out sure. there. Uh, Bryce uh, asks about uh, restrictor plates and, and that style of racing. Like, how does that affect air fuel ratio? Like, if you're, uh, you know, at Daytona, say, uh, where I'm sure intake vacuum is going to be up at a high RPM, do you lean out the air fuel ratio so that excess fuel doesn't displace your limited airflow? Kind of like what we were talking about, you know, getting it to the cylinder. Mm -hmm. Actually, <laughs> This is kind of kind of opposite that way. The biggest issue we have with tuning restrictor plate cars at Daytona is when you're you're the car behind the other car. They talk about the bubble. Yes. You always hear about the bubble. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is the air coming out the other car and crashing right at the cowl mm -hmm. on the other car, and actually throw so much air in there that we actually get lean. We, our carburetor air temperature or our carburetor pressure actually goes up at that time and actually would get lean and that's a lot of reason why you can't get through that bubble. Besides the air coming off and hitting the windshield, I can like a big Drag, spoiler, yeah, another part of it is when that when that air enters the cowl in that area right there, it actually pressurizes it and it actually leans the motor out. And that's why a lot of times for those races, we actually have to run fatter. So when you get in that spot, you have that extra fuel to help get you through that spot. There you go, good question, Bryce. Yep. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. All right, gentlemen, Mark, this has been great. This is your yep. second time on Hidden Horsepower. Yep. We encourage everybody to download the previous episodes. There's a lot of great ones up there on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the TotalSeal.com website. This has been great. And uh, I know you guys have got a great relationship. Yep. You're a big personality. I love it. Oh. And uh, more to come, right? Yep. What a great career you've had, but still uh, forging forward. And I yep. appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Lake, this is this has been pretty impressive. This is what I wanted to get him, right? Yeah. I, I, I had to twist a lot of arms to get some folks here. Is that true? <laughs> nah, not really. I'll do uh, anything you know, for Lake. So, <laughs> it's, it's, anyway, we, we got a great cast of people here today and you know, looking forward to hey, these kind of information. Then measuring later on, testing roundtable, it's going to be some pretty good stuff. You exactly. Did, you did tell me Jason Lyon was going to be here. Yeah. Not here. No, he told uh, me that was, too. Uh, it's like, uh, we'll talk about that one later. Yeah, it's all, right. it's all right. I'm sure Jason's out there <laughs> yeah. at the track where yeah. they're testing, watching yeah. the Engine Performance Expo. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah.